0: Hey, welcome to Night School. Uh, I got a coffee here from a gas station and uh, I recommend checking out the coffee episode from a couple weeks ago for more context, for more coffee context. But it is a gas station cup in a, you know, one of those styrofoam thin but hard thin thin but firm styrofoam containers with just sort of an ugly brown print embedded within it. And it's about 80% French roast and 20% extreme buzz. And I'm kind of hoping for this episode to follow a similar ratio, uh, minus the French. I don't want anything French on here. Uh, But uh, about 80% roast and 20% extreme buzz is exactly what this show needs to be today exactly what it needs to be today. And I'm a little bit concerned. You know, I have to say I'm a little bit concerned. I don't do a lot of outreach. There's not a lot of communication between me and whatever listeners are out there. And I worry about you guys. I worry about my listeners. And I feel like this is a great opportunity to do a little check in a little check. I'm just checking in. And what I'm wondering is, you know, are you stressed out enough? Are you keeping your stress levels up high enough? Are you feeling stressed out enough? Because if not, there are plenty of opportunities to just jack those stress levels way up. I mean, for one, how does it feel to be responsible for global warming? How does it feel? How does it feel to be solely responsible for global warming? Everything you do. Everything you do is contributing. You you did it. Thanks. You know, you're... Uh, Your trilingual grandchild is going to shame you in several different languages for the desert wasteland that they're going to be living in, because you did it, you know, you did it, you voted for the wrong city council member, and that sped global warming right up, sped it right up. Uh, You know, but there are plenty of opportunities throughout the day. If you're not stressed out enough, there are plenty of opportunities every day, and you don't have to be responsible either. You can find other people to stress you out. You can take on their load. You can help them carry their stress load, because there are all kinds of stress rituals going on all day long, every day. It's almost like a church service that never ends. They've got it going every day, all day, and it's... Stress rituals truly are rituals, too. I don't use that term lightly. It's not like a light French roast, you know? It's a heavy-duty roast. Uh, There are, uh, you know, stress is very ritualized, you know? And oftentimes it feels scripted. It feels, uh, it's predictable. It's formulaic. It, it's all of those things. It's very ritualistic. It's very ritualized. It's almost like once stress has been invoked, once stress has been manifested, there's a process that we must follow. And you can be the master of ceremonies if you want. You can be the MC of the stress ritual if you'd like. And oftentimes we are. But we also allow other people to do it as well. And if there's one thing you can't do during a stress ritual... Uh, you can't do anything except be stressed. If you, if you say or do anything that indicates that you're not feeling that stress, that's sacrilege. That's like sexting in church. That's like sexting in church in front of the entire congregation. If you're taking part in a stress ritual and you yourself are not exhibiting all of the symptoms of stress, you might as well be sexting in church because it's fucking blasphemy. And that's how people treat you. If someone's stressed, and you do, and they want you to be stressed too, if they are the master of ceremonies, or even just a willing participant, even if they're just aiding the ritual, they don't have they don't have to be the MC of the whole ritual. They don't have to be the MC of the stress ritual. They could just be a participant or an aide of some kind, an altar boy, an altar girl, an altar person. Uh, they could be any of that. And uh, But all of them, everybody who's participating, if you show some sign that you're not in it, if you're not in it, if you're not stressed enough, if you're not bowing down, if you're not laying prone before the god of stress, they're going to be mad at you because there's nothing more that a, a person participating in a stress ritual wants than for everybody to be a participant. And, you know, I say God of stress, but it really does feel like stress is a deity. And people, get they try to get scientific about it. they It's like, oh, you know, uh, you show the signs. They can measure it. You know, someone who's stressed out all the time, they age quicker. Their heart's worse. They die faster. You're going to die faster if you're so, you know, that's what's so funny is like, we think it's a helpful response to tell people, you know, if you're stressed out, we're trying to tell stressed out people that if you're stressed out all the time, you're going to die quicker. <laughs> it's it's like it's, it's like when someone's mad and you tell them, "Don't be mad, don't be mad. Why are you so angry?" It's like that. That's always going to help. That's always going to help when you tell someone who's mad, "Don't be angry." It's the same thing with stress. It's funny how like we try to combat stress on this societal level by being like, it's going to kill you faster. It's going to ruin everything. And it's like, don't be stressed. It's going to kill you. And then we expect people to not be stressed. But it really is like this deity, and it feels that way to me. We talk about it like it is this very tangible thing, and it is something we feel. I mean, we all know what stress feels like. Nobody doesn't know. Nobody doesn't know what stress feels like uh we and and it's not just within us either we can tell when someone else is stressed out we can easily tell almost right away if you interact with somebody if they are stressed and it, it we act like it's a it's this thing like this medical diagnosis that we all just know you know we we treat it like it is this medical diagnosis and i guess it is I guess there are ways in which you can measure it, but you don't really know. I mean, yeah, you can you know check someone's blood pressure, their heart rate. There are some signs that someone is stressed. There are some physical signs that someone is stressed out. But it, I feel like it's a little looser than that, uh, and it does feel to me like some sort of evil deity, like some sort of evil Hindu god, the you know that represents stress. And when you look at these, you know, Hindu gods or any collection of deities, it could be any mythology, you know, you do see them representing traits like that. It's like this one represents wrath. This is the the deity of, you know, uh, loving compassion. When you look someone in the eye after twilight, you know, it gets hyper-specific. These the, the purposes, the functions of these deities get hyper-specific. So I don't see why there isn't just a deity of stress— And I would say most likely, you know, in ancient times, people no doubt experienced stress. Stress isn't new. Although we kind of act like it is. Like, modern society has made us so much more stressed. Life is so much more stressful since we got cars and, and got texts. Life is so much more stressful since we started getting sects in church. You know, it's just so much more stressful. Our life is so much more stressful. It's fucking always been stressful. And in just a history book is evidence of that. Everything is everything is evidence of that. Everything is evidence of the just mounting stress of humanity throughout the ages. And even where stress doesn't exist, even those little pockets where you see that there was no stress, oh, it doesn't look like there was any stress here. You can still see that like so much was being done in opposition to stress. When there's the absence of stress, it's almost like it's still there. It's almost like, well, you can see where what they were doing was they were effectively able to combat stress. It's almost like finding peace in a history book where it's just like, oh, during here are the times where there wasn't war, but you can still sense war looming over everybody's shoulders. It's almost the same thing with stress. But we do treat stress like it's some sort of deity, and we just kind of take it for granted. It's this, you know, invisible, intangible thing, and, and we're all just like, "Stress, you, uh, you seem stressed," and we think about it all the time, and we talk about it all the time, and we participate in these rituals every day, almost. You know, if you're if you're not careful, if you're not actively combating it, if you're not actively trying to find that peace between the war, uh, those those little moments of rest, you know, you can easily get sucked into it every day and it could be the same stress it could be new stress could be any new stress oh you feeling some of that new stress or is it the old stress is it the stress that's just lingered in the bones of your family for generations or is it new have you found something new to stress out about a new ritual let me oh you, you found a new stress ritual let me participate mc you're now my new .MC. I need, I need somebody else. I need a teacher. I need a teacher. I need a, I need a, a master who can teach me how to be as stressed out as you. Uh, but yeah, but invoking that deity, you know, it, it does feel almost like it's sort of like demonic possession. And I think in olden times, when people talk about demonic possession, you know, I don't think they were just talking about schizophrenia. You know, because I feel like we make that assumption where we're like, oh, you know, when when people used to talk about demonic possession in old times, they were really just they didn't have a word to describe. They didn't know how to describe schizophrenia. They didn't have psychology, so they didn't know what schizophrenia was and they called it demonic possession. Well, a lot of times I feel like they were probably just talking about stress, too. (laughs) You know, they were probably just talking about something as simple as stress when they were like she was just consumed by a demon. She was possessed by an evil spirit. And really, it was just she was so stressed out all the time that she was hard to be around. Uh, but, you know, why, why, isn't, why can't we treat it almost like a deity? And uh, why can't we recognize that we participate in these little rituals? But it is funny if you've ever been in that situation, which we all have, like whether it's at a job, it doesn't matter what it is, you might even be the only one really carrying the burden like if you've ever been in a disciplinary meeting at work where you're the only one who's in trouble or anything like that and there's this this burden of stress like like your boss and like HR they're stressed out because like they like you or whatever or they just they they're not comfortable punishing you or they're not comfortable doing this or that and you're the one who has something to worry about but if you're not stressed out in that situation people are really like what the fuck is wrong with you you're being punished, you know, or, or just anything. I mean, it could be any situation professionally. It could be, you know, just when you know, people are panicking. You got to get this done. You got to get this done. We're not going to get this done if we don't conduct a stress ritual right now to see this through. We're never going to finish this project under the deadline. If we don't take the time to conduct a stress ritual right now, that's sort of what people do, too. It's like you are delaying it. You are, like, taking time out to conduct this ritual that is going to slow you down, that is going to cloud your brain. Uh, but some people just got to do it. Some people just, they worship at that altar, and they are they worship at it because they're terrified. Uh, you know, it all comes from a place of fear. Stress is some sort of manifestation of fear, Uh but it, it's it's a weird one, it's a, and given how much we think about it, we think about it so much, we keep it alive. I feel like I'm stressing any potential listener out right now with the amount that I'm using the word stress, and it's different from struggle. It's different from some sort of, you know, workable adversity, something that you can power through that is difficult. It's different from difficulty. Uh, it's something else entirely, because you can't really work through it, and it, it is sort of intangible even though we try to get medical we try to get scientific about stress we still treat it like some sort of deity that is just looming over us at any time and people don't like it when you when you uh commit acts of blasphemy by ignoring it there's nothing more blasphemous to a, a stressed out person than to you know not participate to not just fall to your knees and pray at that very moment to not be washed you know, uh, be, to be overtaken in the great waves with the, whatever <laughs> I had something very poignant to say right there To not just be washed and taken and have those waves uh, wash over you uh, Yeah, just let it, let's, Let those waves of stress carry you out farther and farther to sea And the farther and farther you get from the shore, the more stressed you're going to get Because cause you're going to have to dog battle all the way back and that's the best you can do when you're stressed. Is The best thing you can do is dog paddle. Because that's what it feels like when you're under the gun, when you're like working on something with people, or something happens and someone gets stressed out. It's like, oh, we were all swimming here, and now we have to dog paddle. Because we have to contend with the, the burden of stress upon us. The deity of stress has cursed us, and now our arms and legs, which once gracefully swam, now must dog paddle slowly to shore. And you could say there are situations where it's okay to be stressed, you know, I don't know, I mean, someone, you can easily justify stress, that's the, and that's the great thing, you can easily justify a stress ritual, you, you know, if someone just mentions it, like, hey, uh, you know, hey, I know we're all doing well in this room, I know we're all, like, just out to lunch, and we have all the time in the world, and all the money in the world, and we're gonna order, like, five appetizers, and, you know, we're all gonna get a glass of wine, uh, we're all gonna, oh, we're all gonna be bad and get a glass of wine at lunch, uh, cause we're all moms and our kids are at daycare. So we're all gonna be bad and get a glass of wine to go with our appetizers. Go with our appetizers. We're gonna just order everything, cause we're just having a leisurely good lunch with not a care in the world. Oh, they got your order wrong. They got your order wrong. They forgot to bring out the uh, the mozzarella sticks. They, they forgot to bring out the mozzarella sticks. Jeez, I'm not going to tip them. I'm not going to tip. We didn't get our mozzarella sticks. I'm not going to tip them. Oh, you know what? You know, this wine, it, it, it's kind of, it, it's a little, a little too warm for me. It's a little too warm. You know, you can find any opportunity. That's a great opportunity. The best opportunity in the world for a stress ritual is when you have all- no care in the world. When you're just, you know, living on uh, the world's dime. Uh, you know, that's the best opportunity. And people will do that all the time. Oh, you're going on vacation? You have the financial resources and the time to go on a vacation to Hawaii? To Hawaii? Well, you better find a way to get stressed. You better make this plane ride miserable. Make this phenomena, phenomena, make this phenomenon where you fly across the sky to a tropical island to sit on a beach. Make this flight suck. Make it stressful. Worry about what the stewardess didn't bring you. Oh, all, all we got on here was all they gave us were peanuts. I wanted a steak dinner. I thought, oh, this is a plane? I thought it was the Benihana. Oh, these planes these days, they, they just, uh, they don't bring you steaks like they, they don't bring you big uh, prime rib like they used to. They bring you peanuts. You know, that's a, that's, you can do it. You can do that if you want. You can even have, see, that's the, the, the amazing thing. That's how incredible this deity is of stress. You can do it even on a plane. You can do it while you're flying through the sky like a deity. You can do it while you're flying through the sky in a metal chariot. You know, you can do that. You can make that a stress ritual, and people do. People do all the time. And you better participate. And sometimes you don't even, you're not even trying to participate. By just being in the same room, you become a witness. And that's just as bad a lot of the time. You know, it's just as bad to be a witness, you know, even if you're not an aide, even if you're not lighting the candles, even if you're not donning the robes in a stress ritual, just being a witness, just sitting in the pews is just a fact of life. You just go out and you're exposed to it. So you really have to actively combat it wherever you can. But then by telling someone not to be stressed or like trying to actively engage it in some way, you become an even deeper participant in it. So it's very difficult in that way, but if you can just in your own personal life if you can find things to do, and I recommend, you know, diet and exercise for one. Absolutely, you know, your diet, exercise, those things will help combat stress immensely and your doctor will tell you that. Your doctor will tell you that too. Those things are, you know, great. I mean, if you work out hard, you will feel much less prone to stress. And that's the difference between doing something difficult And doing something stressful is that sometimes doing difficult things uh, that become easier with time as you build up discipline. Those things are great ways to combat stress. And of course, there are all kinds of philosophical, spiritual things you can do, which I I won't get into because I'm focused on the the spirituality of stress here. I don't want to bring anything else into it. Uh, But there are all kinds of things you can do, the classics. Classics. Don't if you're feeling like stressed out or you're feeling like bad. This just goes in general. I mean, like it's always funny to me when people they want these superficial fixes. It's like I'm going to change my name. I'm going to get a tattoo. I know it's going to fix all my problems. I'm going to get a tattoo. I was born in the 1980s, and what we do is we fix our problems with a new tattoo, or we change our name, or we change this. We change our our everything. You know, that's going to fix all my problems. And it's like, have you tried exercising every day? Have you tried eating healthy every day? Have you tried cutting out bad things? You know, there are other ways to, you know, release yourself from these demonic spirits. And that's not just stress, because those things aren't necessarily a response to stress, but they're a response to anything that you think, I don't know, just these little changes we try to make. And sometimes they're big changes in our society now, and I'm not... I'm not saying anybody who, you know, I'm not saying, don't get a tattoo. I don't have any tattoos, uh, you know, and someone could hear that and be like, oh, he says he doesn't have any tattoos. He's telling everybody they, that tattoos are evil. He said music was evil a couple episodes ago. So obviously he thinks tattoos are even more evil. No, you know, I just, you know, I don't value tattoos. I don't. I don't think tattoos are cool. I don't have any tattoos. Uh, but I, I do think people sometimes will make those kinds of superficial changes because they think that's going to make them who they want to be. Uh, you know, it, they they go for these quick changes, these quick turnaround changes, and it's just like, I'm going to change this. I'm going to change the way you pronounce my name. I've been going by Eric my whole life, and, you know, I think the little thing that I've needed all this time is to go by Eric. And and I'll correct everybody righteously. I'll I'll, I'll show some you know righteous in indignation. Even people who have known me my whole life as Eric, that har- it almost sounds Germanic. It's that harsh Germanic pronunciation, Eric, Eric. I'm Eric. You know anybody who doesn't pronounce it that way, is my enemy, and they don't care about me. Uh, But, you know, I would say for anybody who's going for those sorts of changes, and I'm I'm not saying they shouldn't, you know, once again, I'm not saying somebody who hasn't given it consideration, maybe the missing, you know, maybe the thing that dots somebody's eye is just a name change, it is a tattoo, it is some other kind of, like, life change, it is some kind of plastic surgery, maybe that is the thing that will dot the eye. It's, it's the little dot above the I that you've always been missing. It's like, my name's Eric, and the I has never been dotted. E-R-I-C. The I just never it's never had a dot above it. But if I get a tattoo, I feel like that I is dotted. Maybe that's all I need. Uh, I'm going to get a tattoo that says Eric, my own name, but the I isn't going to be dotted. And then much later in life, I'm going to get the I dotted, and it's going to complete me. I'm going to feel stressed until I get that I dotted. Uh, But no, I would say sometimes like sometimes I I hear people like make these changes and they make these announcements and things. and, And again, like I'm not this isn't an indictment of anybody. And, you know, I'm just preaching what I need here. I'm preaching what I need. And just because I'm preaching what I need doesn't mean anybody else has to follow it. But this sort of thinking has worked for me and I've seen it work for other people. So I, I, can, I wouldn't endorse it, but I can talk about it on my podcast. I can talk about it on my podcast without stressing anybody out. Uh, and I, I would say, have you ever thought of the classics? You're thinking about making all these changes. Have you tried just, like, walking for an hour every day? Have you tried, like, not eating, you know, breaded chicken tenders for every meal? Just stick with those things and see how you feel. See how much you want the tattoo. You know, lift weights, you know, for... Two months before you decide to get a tattoo. Because that's the original body mod. Everyone's all about body modifications. I'm going to get my ears pierced. I can't wait till I'm 18 so I can get my ears pierced without parental permission because my mom won't allow it. And I can get a tattoo that I'm not going to regret. I can't wait till I'm 18 so I can get a tattoo I'm never going to regret. I may have told this story before, but a, an old friend of mine I grew up with—he—he he was one of the first people to turn 18 in high school, and we had a class together. We'd grown up together. A great guy. And he asked me. He was like, and this is this guy was like pretty normal. Like that's the thing is he was he was very normal. Like he wasn't in, into any like dark or weird shit at all. He was like a soccer player. Like had a really positive outlook. Everything and. But we were in class one day, and he was like, hey, you know, I I turned like, 18 next week. And he's like, I'm wondering, like, he's like, I really want to get a tattoo. And would you draw me a Grim Reaper pointing? (laughs) I'm not kidding. Like, he asked me for that, and I was like, whoa. And I was like, yeah. And I I didn't get around to it during that week. And he shows up to school the next week, and he had gotten uh, the Sublime Sun on his arm. So he went from wanting to get a custom-drawn Grim Reaper pointing that I just, in that week's time, my turnaround time wasn't quick enough. Maybe he was feeling stressed. He was like, you know, I really need that tattoo. I really need a tattoo. And my friend, you know, he's just not, the turnaround on this Grim Reaper pointing just isn't quick enough. So, you know, I'm going with the Sublime Sun. Which is like you know the, you know the the <laughs> which is sort of like the symbolic equivalent of, of a grim reaper, right? Grim reaper pointing, sublime sun. No. Uh, I love it though; it was funny. Um, but yes, you know, sometimes it's like we just want that tattoo. That tattoo is going to complete us. But uh, you know, the original body modification was you know working out, gaining weight or losing weight. It's not just health. You know, eating a bunch of shit every day and getting really fat—that's body mod too you got to acknowledge, you know, all these, like, earlier, natural, you know, organic body mod. Like, what are you going to do? Like, before tattoo guns were invented, you know, and I mean, granted, (laughs) granted people have been getting tattoos a lot longer than tattoo guns have been around. Uh, You know, but before the very first tattoos ever existed, like, was somebody just missing that? Were there people, were there cavemen, like, eons ago who died feeling really incomplete because they didn't get a tattoo you know, they were getting some of them got fat though. Some of them got buff. Some of them, uh, you know, gained weight and lost weight. The original body modification. And I would say the same thing. You know, I, as much as I'm on a health thing, and I'm preaching what I need, I would say too. If you're really thin, you know, maybe and you're you're just like something isn't right. Something isn't right. You know, I'm just sick of being thin or whatever else. It's like try getting fat. You know, maybe that's what's been missing. You know, go with the uh, go with the classics. Go with the classic body mod before you start throwing things on yourself. Before you start cutting your earlobes off, uh, whatever it is people do these days. Before you get your Adam's apple shaved down to a spike, before you get your Adam's apple, Adam's addle, before you get your get your Adam's apple pierced, try just going for a run and eating like a, you know chicken with no breading on it in a salad. Just try that maybe before you get your Adam's apple pierced and see how you feel then. See if you still want to get your Adam's apple pierced. Um, but yeah, demonic possession, I, I, I can't help but feel like stress is a form of demonic possession or it would be defined as such in simpler times, you know, because we don't live in simple times now. We know everything. We know how the universe is created and, and that it's expanding. We just know. We just know the, other, the big bang. We can tell you exactly how the universe was created because we are two. Th- we were, hum- were humans in 2019, and we just all those people who had thoughts a thousand years ago, all those people who had interesting thoughts five thousand years ago, ten thousand years ago, eons ago. All those cavemen who died miserable because they couldn't get a tattoo. They didn't know anything. We know everything. We just know everything about everything, and it's a, it's amazing. It's what's amazing about knowing everything about everything. Because we're human beings in 2019, and we have uh, the deity of science on our shoulders in our heads, uh, you know. Because we have logic, uh, you know. The nice thing about that is we never get stressed out, and we're just feeling great all the time. That's the great thing about knowing how the universe was created and knowing everything about everything, and being so right in the face of a history uh, in the face of, of a history of just nothing but people being wrong. Or more, or quaint or something. You know, that's a nice thing. Is we just don't get stressed out by the deity of stress anymore. You know, we don't deal with demonic possession because psychology was invented a couple hundred years ago. And you can go pay somebody $100 an hour to go, like, talk about your dad. It's so cool we don't have demonic possession anymore, but you can blame your father for your whole life, and pay someone to do it. You can pay somebody to listen to you complain about your father, but you don't have to worry about, you know, evil spirits anymore, because that's silly. Um, now, this is very dangerous thinking. Someone might say that. Someone might say that, oh, what, you think there's de- such a thing as demonic possession? You think there's such a... You think stress is a deity? You think stress is some sort of evil deity that manifests itself? That's dangerous, you're making fun of psychology and science? That's dangerous. It's dangerous thinking. I love when people say that, when people call things dangerous now. They just throw that around. Anything they don't like, any idea they don't like, it's dangerous. Yo, it's dangerous. Hey, this guy, he, uh, he cut in front of me a line. It's dangerous. You know what's dangerous is when you see on a wanted poster some outlaw and it says armed and dangerous, that's not referring to his opinions. It's referring to the fact that he's going to cut you, stab you, rob you, or worse. Armed and dangerous does not mean thinks things that you don't agree with. And it's funny, though, because we, we throw it around. Everything's dangerous now. People are saying it's dangerous. Oh, that that public speaker... Who says that uh, men should shampoo their hair before putting conditioner in in the shower is dangerous, and he's not including bald people in when he talks about that. That public speaker, he uh, that professor, when he talks about, he's telling everybody, uh, you know, put shampoo in your hair before conditioner. Uh, he, he's just not including bald people, and I heard he, uh, I heard he. It's not even just that he doesn't include bald people. I heard that he thinks, I heard that that professor thinks that, that controversial professor, he thinks that men who shave their heads aren't truly bald. He's dangerous. Oh, God, what a dangerous opinion. He thinks that men who shave their heads aren't truly bald. And, uh, you know, and if you point out the stubble on a guy's head, you know, who shaves his head, uh, you know, you're dangerous, too. What's funny about that is... What's funny about... (laughs) Uh, And then you have people, too, on the other side. And the other side of that is ridiculous, too. Or then you have people like, You gotta... Dude, you gotta hear this guy. You gotta hear this professor speak. You gotta hear this guy. You know, he... It's gonna blow your fucking mind. It's gonna change your life, dude. I know you've been wanting to get that tattoo of the Grim Reaper because you think that's gonna make your life complete. But you you gotta go listen to this guy, man. He says this... He says, put shampoo in your hair and wash it out before you put conditioner in your hair. Like, can you fucking believe? It's a fucking amazing. Do it change my fucking life? You have people on every end of the spectrum. All this shit is so ridiculous. But the, the really crazy part is the people who are like, this guy is dangerous. He says that men who shave their heads willingly aren't truly bald men. Although what's funny about that is that's sort of what guys... like? Because I'm a fan of horseshoes. I like the horseshoe haircut. And I think when I'm fully bald, I think I am going to have, you know, a yeah, trim horseshoe. I don't think... You know, I might want to grow it out. You know, I might actually want to grow it out. I might want to have... I could see myself when I'm a little bit older. If I can, like, keep ripped. If I can be, like, a ripped old man. Or even just, like, above the age of 50 if I'm really ripped. I would love to have... Uh, like a grown-out horseshoe, or like what the kids used to call a skullet. I would love to have a skullet and be like a ripped 50-year-old man. That's the time to have a skullet if you're going to have one. Just be totally cut, just totally he-man with a skullet. That's the time to have it, because that's just intense. Nobody's going to mess with you. It's like a common... You're like a sage. You're like a warrior sage at that point if you have a skullet, but you're ripped and old. But, you know, I'm more of a horseshoe fan, when I meet a young guy who lost his hair early, and he has, he has the horseshoe, I, I've complimented it before. You know, I've been like, you know, I, I respect that. I respect that you sport the horseshoe. You're not t- trying to tell any lies. Because men who do the whole skinhead thing, men who, like, shave their head completely after they go bald, what's funny about that is they're actually trying to tell the world they're not bald. Which is a weird irony, a weird paradox That in making yourself as bald as possible You're actually trying to give the impression That you're not bald And that you just willingly com- got, That you willingly shave your whole head Because that's what guys are trying to do They're trying to be like Oh, I know it looks like I You know, I know I have zero hair on my head But it's because I actually like have You know, roots Like the roots can grow out everywhere like, I have a full head of hair. I just, I just willingly shave the whole thing. Because when you have a horseshoe, you're not lying to anybody. You know, when you keep that ring around the side of your head, everybody knows what's going on on top. Uh, but when you, when you keep it bald, when you have the skinhead, bonehead look, you uh, are actually trying to communicate to people sort of a mystery. It's like, you don't know if I have a full head of hair or not. Because I don't give you any hints. There's no hints here. Whereas a nice horseshoe, a nice horseshoe hint... It's all around the sides of your head. And there's something noble about it, you know? Uh, there's something noble about having a horseshoe, which is why, you know, when when the time comes, if I don't have a comb over, I'll definitely have a horseshoe. And maybe later I'll grow it out. Maybe I'll be a ripped a ripped skullet. Uh, but, uh, yeah, there is that funny thing about guys who are completely bald on top. In, in being as bald as possible, they're actually trying to communicate that they actually have hair buried deep beneath the folds of that bald head, and they just they're just in control of it. You got to show control, dude. You got to take control, man. You got to take control by hiding the fact that you have a horseshoe on the sides of your head because that's how you take control. Now, you got to get hair plugs, man. Uh, I love Joe Buck, you, the NFL announcer. He's so boring. He's, you know, one of the most boring, but he's also one of the most famous NFL sports announcers, Joe Buck. And his hair doesn't look bad. And, I mean, granted, he has a team to style it. So, of course, when you see it on TV, it's not going to look bad. And it wouldn't be noticeable to me otherwise, but I heard a story some years back that he had gotten hair plugs in the 90s. So now when I see him, I think hair plugs, which is funny because I wouldn't think that otherwise. I wouldn't think, oh, he's look at those hair plugs. You can just see the plugs. You can just see the plugs. Sometimes you can. Like Joe Biden, you can see very clearly that he got hair plugs. Because what's funny is men of a certain age who got hair plugs early on, it almost looks like a very thin, like, hair net over the top of their head. It's just, it's the weirdest looking thing if you actually look at hair plugs, especially older hair plugs. Them older hair plugs. My life's just not going to be complete if I can't get a tattoo and some hair plugs. Have you tried the classics? Have you tried sagging your pants? You know, Joe Buck, have you tried sagging your pants? You thought you needed hair plugs, because I get it, you're a TV personality. Even though people mostly hear your voice, boringly describe what's going on in an otherwise exciting football game, even though your job is to, like, kind of drain some of the excitement from the fantastic sport of football, they show you on TV for, like, two-second snippets, before and after commercials, so you better get those hair plugs, or your career's going down. You got the money, you got that NFL announcer money, Joe Buck. But little did you know, instead of hair plugs, you could have just sagged your pants, because that'll get you laid too. That's why, guys. You know, that's the only reason to get hair plugs, dude. You're never gonna get laid again. You're never gonna get laid again if you get if you don't get hair plugs. Oh, what's the matter? You, uh, oh, you're you worried you're never gonna get laid. You better get some hair plugs and start sagging your pants. When men adopt young fashion trends, that's always so pathetic. When like older guys do start doing things like sagging their pants, it's as I've said before. As I said yesterday, I guess it was. You know, I totally respect some guy who was a wigger in junior high who just never stopped being a wigger, never stopped sagging his pants, but. You know, there were older guys probably in like 2001 who were like, oh, you know, all those young guys are getting laid. I'm going to sag my pants, too. I'm going to get hair plugs. But no, you know, I think it's more respectable to start sagging your pants than to get hair plugs. That's a lot of money, too. Hair plugs, that's a really expensive way to be attached to something and to deny the fact that you're dying. That's what it is, too. Getting hair plugs. It's denial of the fact that you're dying. It's like, I don't want to admit that I'm withering away slowly. And, you know, eventually, you know, girls aren't going to like me. I'm a 40 year old man and girls aren't going to like me in a year because my hair's falling fallen out. I'm never going to get laid again. So I'm going to get hair plugs. That'll help just attachment what what else can I be attached to oh that's a source of stress and they say that's a funny thing too stress makes you lose your hair (laughs) that's worse to some people than dying that's worse than being told you know like if if you keep staying stressed out you're gonna die and someone's like oh well we're all gonna die anyway and then it's like well yeah but if you keep staying stressed out if you keep stressing yourself out you're also gonna lose your hair and it's like oh fuck where's the hair plug doctor that caveman who couldn't, that ripped caveman caveman who couldn't get a hair plug, so he he just, you know, sported the skullet. That's what guys don't realize, though. If you get ripped, if you're like 50 years old and you're ripped, if you have pecs and you're 50 years old and your shoulders are draped in a skullet, you'll still get laid, if you even want to. If you don't transcend sexuality at that point, uh, you know, you'll you'll still get laid, man. Man. Believe it or not, I'm only about, I'm not going to take the lid off because I don't want to spill coffee everywhere, but I'm only about 20% into this coffee, and that top 20% was the extreme buzz, so I think I have drank most of the extreme buzz, and I'm hopefully, this episode is hopefully filled with that, but believe it or not, I haven't drank much of this coffee yet. That ends up happening every time I make coffee and do a show, is I think, oh, I'll drink this whole coffee... If not before the show, during the show, and that way I'll get like really amped up. But I get so amped up that I, on my own, I get that natural high uh, that I, I don't even drink the coffee. I got to remember to take more sips. You hear that? You hear that sucking noise? <laughs> Jesus. Um, but uh, yeah, there's that idea that fear of. It's it's like I'm never gonna get laid again, so I need to get hair plugs. I need to do this. I need that tattoo. And uh, you know, and the thing is too is, you know, with comb overs. I know I've defended the comb over, you know, more than once on here. I'm a defender of the comb over. Because it's not that guys don't know they're bald. I don't think that men know they're... I don't think that men are trying to pull one over on anybody. Literally pull that hair over. I don't think they're trying to convince anybody they're not bald. I think they just want something on top of their head. Because I think that's the thing that truly sucks about balding. It's not that you're really that worried about your looks. It's not that you're that worried about getting older. It's that it kind of sucks to not have something on the top of your head. Because, I mean, we human beings manufacture things to put on the tops of our heads. You know, even when we have hair, we like having extra things on top of our heads, even when it's not functional. Because, you know, yeah, hats will keep the sun out of your eyes, they will keep the rain off your head, they'll keep you warm, but we don't even wear hats most of the time for any kind of function. We just like the way they look. I'm going to get a cowboy hat because I like the way it looks. I'm going to get this hat. I'm going to wear this. You know, how many people wear beanies because it's actually cold? They wear beanies because they like the look. They get, they get to participate in the beanie tribe. You know, they get to join the beanie tribe when they wear a beanie, when they wear a good old stocking cap. People like to have things on their heads, and men with comb-overs are no different. Where having a comb-over is just like, I just want something on my head still. I'm sick of hats. I just want something on top of my head. You know, don't make fun of me. And people are vicious about comb-overs. You know, people are so vicious about comb-overs. Like, just shave it, dude. Just shave it. Just shave your comb over, dude. Just shave it off. Who are you trying to? Who are you trying? Just shave the sides too. Just, just be a, be have just skin all around. Look like a baby, like me. Why don't you look like a baby, like me, instead of a, a distinguished gentleman with a bald eagle crown around the sides of your head? Why don't you just try to look like a baby, like me, like a buff baby? Go to the gym, dude, and just shave it all off. Look like a baby. Uh, but you know, people are so mean to men with comb-overs, but it's like, how is that any different than a woman who's just in really heavy makeup? You know, when a woman just has way too much makeup, which is very common, you know, you see all the time women with heavy makeup, and people might say, oh, he's being mean, he's being dangerous again, by saying that there are women with too much makeup on, because they're just doing it for men, they're just doing it because of the patriarchy." Women are wearing heavy makeup because the patriarchy has enforced such harsh beauty standards upon them that they feel they have to cake their face in uh, makeup. Well, why the fuck do you think men have comb-overs? You know, I mean, why do you think men do anything they do with their hair? They're doing it because they want to get laid. They still want to get attention from women. Why do women wear tons of makeup? Because they still want to get attention from men. Everybody's doing everything for the same reasons. You know, everybody's doing everything for the same reasons. Men have comb-overs because they think that women will like them more. Or at a certain point in time, they did. When comb-overs were new. You know, I talked in the last episode about how, you know, sagging was unprecedented to my knowledge before my generation. How the young men of my generation were like, we're going to be the first generation who segs our pants because we want girls to like us. And men are the same thing with comb overs. At a certain point, I don't know when it was, maybe it was like the 60s or 70s. I don't know when comb overs first started. But at a certain point in time, men were like, you know, in 20 years, young men will start sagging their pants, but, you know, we're going to be the first generation to have comb overs. And maybe they tricked some people. Maybe there were some guys then who were trying to convince some people that they still had hair. You know, it's like, hey, you have no uh, hairline. And the hair just goes over the top of your head. Here I am making fun of guys with comb overs. After all the defending I did, after all the work I went into for forming an alliance with men with comb overs. Here I am. It, it just—I was just waiting for my chance to mock them. Uh, but really, it's like so—so so much of that, like guys sporting comb overs. They're just trying to do it because they're trying to hold on to like whatever scant amount of sexual attraction they can get. And it's the same thing for women in makeup, where it's like they're just trying to hold on, and you can see it. You can see it on people. You can see it. It's this attachment. It's this clinging. We're clinging to it. Just can't accept the way of things. Can't accept the fact that we're losing our hair, losing our looks, we're dying, and we're stressed out. Cause that is stressful. Losing your hair is stressful when you first notice it. Uh, you know, aging is stressful. Noticing things about yourself change is stressful. I mean, that's the thing. You can since change is just perpetual, uh, and change is such a, an easy source of stress in our lives. An easily accessed ritual is uh, an easily here. Here's a here's a stress ritual everybody can do from home. Just think about the inevitable inevitable change that's happening all around you. There you go. Uh, 1,001 ways that you can stress yourself at home. Think about change. Think about your hair. Think about your face. Think about the way your voice sounds on recordings. Think about that podcast you did yesterday and that thing you said that was off the cuff and you thought it was funny, but it was really dangerous. Get yourself all nice and stressed. Praise that deity. Praise that deity who just, that omnipotent deity of stress. Praise him. And, uh, you know, just try combing it over. Just try combing it over. Try, Try putting on a little more eyeliner. You know, just get yourself nice and stressed out. I want you to look like the living embodiment of stress when you leave the house. I want everybody to know. Let everybody know, because that's what you want to do anyway when you're stressed. When you're stressed, you want everybody to know, and you want everybody to join in in prayer. You want everybody to lay themselves down. Let it wash over them. Let it uh, enter their pores. Because if stress isn't coming in and out of your pores, the deity ain't happy. The deity ain't happy. But there are things you can do. You know, There are things you can do to combat it. Uh, grow that grow that horseshoe out and do a, a full on skullet. get ripped get ripped and sport a skullet. uh there are things you can do there are ways that you can habitually and um you know in the short term and in the long term ways that you can fight that war with the demon of stress ways that you can not be possessed I feel like I've become a youth preacher. The show has become my outlet. Uh, You know, I'm a youth preacher. I'm I'm like one of those youth preachers who uses the word dude. I use expedient means to try to explain things. I'm like, uh, you know, Moses was this dude. It's kind of like when you respawn. uh, When you're playing Xbox, a shooter... It's like like when you're playing a first-person shooter on your Xbox. And you respawn... In the same place where your enemy has set up his HQ. That's what it's like when you combat stress head on, dude. That's how a youth preacher sounds. You gotta use the word dude. You gotta talk in terms that teens understand. They understand Xbox. They understand dudes. You understand dudes. I'm a youth preacher. I'm a youth preacher who thinks he's a snarling beast, but he's really a dancing bear in a medieval courtyard. Because that's stressful. Being a dancing bear is fucking stressful. Maybe that's a situation where stress is justified. And I was about to get into that 40 minutes ago, about the situations where you feel like stress is justified. And let's just go right... Let's just hit the vein direct I'll just spike that vein directly what's a situation where stress is justified you're shopping at the mall you're, it's Christmas time so there's lots of people around you're already stressed by that you're like I'm trying to find the perfect gift for my girlfriend so she doesn't break up with me and so I'm going to go to the mall and I'm, I'm looking at jewelry I'm looking at perfume I'm looking at Xbox games because she's a gamer and uh you're just trying to find the perfect gift but you're stressed out by the number of people and uh you know somebody else just bought Kirby's Dreamland last copy of Kirby's Dreamland and you were going to buy that for her because she likes cute games like that and uh then uh you know then the next thing you know there's a fucking shooter in the mall you thought it wasn't going to be stressful enough and now there's a guy shooting people in the mall seems like a pretty you know, if, if if stress is ever justified, if panic and stress, because panic is the auxiliary god, you know, you know how sometimes gods, if you read about these mythological gods, they'll, these deities that represent different, you know, senses and emotions and things like that, sometimes they'll have like partnerships and friendships, like these gods are closer, these gods are closely related, these gods hang out in the same underground grotto together. The god of panic, the deity of panic is very closely related to the deity of stress, and you know, if if you're in the mall during Christmas time, and there's a fucking, like, gunman in the mall, and you're already stressed, and you're already worried, like, your girlfriend's gonna break up with you if you don't buy her the perfect gift, like, and then now somebody's shooting at you, that seems like a really good reason to get stressed, so there's always justification, but the amazing thing about stress is that it's it's not like it just happens then. You know, while there are situations where it's like, yeah, it's like if anything's gonna make your arms feel like they're gonna fall off, it's gonna be like a gunman in the mall when you're there and you're already stressed. You know, but the thing is people manage to tap into the same level of stress no matter what. Like that same, like maybe not the same. I'm not going to equate them necessarily, but it's like someone can get just as stressed out about a gunman in the mall as they would the fact that their girlfriend never throws out the K-cups from their coffee machine. You know what I mean? It's like she always leaves the the used K-cups in our coffee maker. She never throws them out. And that can be justified too, and that's the crazy thing too. You can easily justify that. She always leaves the used K-cups in our coffee maker, and I have to open it up and throw them out before I put my K-cup in and make my cup of coffee. And even though it's just this little thing, and I love her, uh, it show, it's this subtle form of disrespect and this lack of conscien- conscien- conscientiousness she shows me, getting stressed out about my inability to speak. And because of that, I'm going to get stressed out now about that too. Because it's just built to this, the K cup, the day of the K cup, you know. But that's how ridiculous stress is: is that it can manifest incredibly strong in like a very justified situation, like somebody trying to kill you in a crowded shopping mall. But it can also happen when you see like a K cup sitting in a stupid coffee machine, and uh, in both situations, it's bad. Because that's the crazy thing about stress is even though it can be justified, even though that ritual can just be justified, this, you know, even though you can light those candles whenever and wherever you are, it never helps with whatever it is you're dealing with. It never helps. Like if that gunman is in the mall, that stress isn't going to save you. That panic isn't going to help you. You're better off not experiencing it. And no, you're not going to be the person who's like, oh, you're stressed out because someone's shooting at you. Have you ever tried being not stressed when a gunman's shooting at you? You just just need to follow your bliss and not be stressed out when someone's shooting at you. You know, you can't tell someone that. But if you can combat stress regularly, maybe you can be the person who reacts with some sort of uh, poise and confidence in that mall. Maybe you can help. Or or even if you're just saving yourself. Because I think that's really what you're doing when you combat stress. You might be able to help other people with their stress. I don't know. But if you can help yourself, if you can save yourself from the evil deity of stress, you're at least going to be able to run out of the mall. You're at least going to remember where the exit is. You're at least going to remember something. Because that's what happens when you get too stressed out is you forget. You go blank. The demon consumes you. And if going blank and forgetting just the basics of your surroundings and who you are... If that's not some sort of demonic possession, if that's not some sort of deity, you know, swallowing your soul, I don't know what is. This land